It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. And I want to welcome you to Calvary Live. I'm your host for the next hour. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado, and I am in studio ready to take your calls and We uh, have this live call-in show that I'd love to hear from you. The number to call, as you just heard, is 303-690-3000. And you, in the next hour, have the opportunity to call in and maybe ask questions concerning the Bible. As you had your devotion times, or maybe you heard something being taught in a Bible study, that maybe you want some clarity and understanding, I want to do my best to give you that as we look at God's Word together. Maybe you have some questions about Christian living. I want to be able to take you to the Word of God uh, to show you how the Lord desires for us to live and to encourage you in every way that I can in the ways of the Lord. Maybe you need prayer, and I know that there are those listening both on Grace FM along the Front Range in Colorado and into southern Wyoming, and you who have joined us on the Hope FM radio network out east in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Maryland. Many of you, you need prayer, and I'd love to be able to minister to you in that way, to pray with you, because that's what Calvary Live is about. It's not just answering questions. It's not just all academics. We are going to be looking at things from the Word of God, and hopefully that I'll do my best to answer your questions, but also to minister to you, to bless you who are listening. And so I want to be able to do that. So lines are open at this time, 303-690-3000. Give us a call, and let's talk about the things of the Lord. Let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about that which is going to encourage you and bless you um, in your walk with Him. Also, there is a means for you to be able to text in questions, and you have a text line. It's for texting only. That number is 720 Let me say that again, 720-336-0897. I always encourage you, those who listen to Calvary Live regularly, that you put that in your contacts, and then you can just pull it up like I do and be able to send a text message. Make sure that you're in a safe place and give us a a question on the text line. And as uh, time permits, we will certainly answer those questions at 720-336-0897. So we have lines open. One of the things about this time of the year, now that we are in the unofficial start of summer, Memorial Weekend is over with, that it gets very busy for us. It's it's a great time of the year. We love summertime, and uh, there's a lot of activities. There's a lot of things that are going on. We love being outdoors. I know certainly uh, we here in Colorado love that. Uh, it seems like we went from winter to summer in just a few days. Uh, it's not that long ago uh, that we had snow on the 19th of May. Uh, we were looking at a lot of rain and snow up here in the Greeley area, northern Colorado. We got hit hard. Uh, so now it's so nice to be able to see the 70s and be going into 
into the 80s. But as we start that time of the year, summertime, where there's a lot of activities, and I'm sure that you listening on Hope FM out east, that you love to do the same thing. You love to get out. There's a lot of things to do and activities. And uh, as we get away for a time of vacation, a time of rest, first of all, I just want to encourage you guys out there in the East Coast, because many of you come out here to Colorado for vacation, and you come out to Rocky Mountain National Park, if you come through this way, I would love to meet you because we're only about 45 miles east of Rocky Mountain National Park, and it's on the way here that if you have opportunity to stop by the church, you have opportunity to come worship with us, we would love to see you and, and come uh, let us know that you're you're listening and uh, or go by Calvary Aurora uh, as well and let them know, Pastor Ed, that you're listening on the East Coast there, because I know that you'll be making your way out here for vacation time. But for all of us, that as we do that, what my prayer simply is this, is that you would be one, that you would uh, really find your rest in the Lord. And it's important for us to take that time away and to be able to take that time uh, to get away. It was Jesus that said to his disciples that let's get away. Let's get away to a quiet place. And he would take them in a boat uh, over to uh, the other side, a deserted place, a quiet place uh, by the Sea of Galilee. And it's a good thing for us to get away uh, to be able to have that rest and relaxation, and I pray that you're able to do that. But as you do, take the Lord with you, okay? And and that's what I want to encourage you in. As you're doing your summer activities, as uh, we get very busy, sometimes Christians are going to be um, a, a, a tendency for Christians to say, I, I'm not going to be in fellowship, I'm too busy in the summertime, and, and I want to encourage you as much as you can to continue to be in fellowship, continue to be, um, you know, attending church, even if you go on vacation. Uh, there are a number of fellowships that perhaps that you can stop by and worship with them. And I think you're going to enjoy your vacation even more. You're going to enjoy that time away even more. Uh, be sure to stay in contact with Christians and uh, take the Lord with you wherever it is that you go. If you go out camping, uh, one of the things for Grace FM listeners for you to understand is that uh, Grace FM, if you're going to Rocky Mountain National Park, you can listen to Grace FM on your radio or up to Red Feathers or up in the Snowies in southern Wyoming uh, that the signal comes in strong. And so be playing it. Uh, be having devotions. Uh, continue to, if you're camping, have family devotions together. That's what I want to encourage you to do. One of the things that I had a, the, uh, got to do last week was I got to go to Yellowstone. It's uh, me and my family, parts of my family. We Every year, it seems like in May, we make our, our uh, journey up to Yellowstone, to the Lamar Valley. And it's one of my favorite places on the earth. And it's where the wolves are and the grizzly bears and um, the wildlife is abounding, bison, uh, moose, uh, every kind of uh, large mammal you can think of. And it's interesting, and a lot of the wildlife biologists go there from all over the country to watch the wolves and the grizzly bears. And one of the things that you'll notice if you watch the wolves there in the Lamar Valley is when they go after prey is they'll go after the weakest animal. If they go after some elk or they'll go after the young, they'll go after the baby bison that are being uh, born. 
um, that are weak, that are a little bit slower. They go up for the animal that's the weakest. Perhaps coming through the winter, they didn't do and fare very well, the older ones. But what they do is um, that um, they will isolate that animal, and that's how they are able to attack and make a kill. And one of the things, the tactic of the enemy is this, that he will isolate you, and he will um, try to uh, attack you in that way. So make sure that you're in the strength of, of believers and staying in fellowship and uh, you know having your devotions because it can be a time where we get away from that, all of us. And, and I pray that you do have a restful summer. One of the things that uh, I want to share with you is it was Jesus that said in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest and take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So our rest comes from him. And as you take him along on your vacations, as you take him along to your summer activities, to the lake, to fishing, to you know, boating, whatever, take Jesus with you and you're going to have a better time. Well, we got open lines, 303-690-3000. We're going to go ahead and go to line one to Mary in Denver. Mary? Hi, Pastor. How, how are, are you? you? Good. How are you, Mary? I'm doing good. I, I wanted you re- to kind of ask you a question about what you're talking sure. about with fellowship. And, you know, in Hebrews, when it talks about... Um, not forsaking the gathering together. And I was curious, I've heard it said in other churches that, you know, that's a command. And I didn't know, is it really a command, or is it just highly recommended? (laughs) It's a highly recommended command, is what it is. It's not a suggestion. And I think as we look at when Hebrews was being written, that these Hebrew believers were discouraged. I mean, they, they were looking at, uh, you know, being there around Jerusalem. They were coming out of all the temple worship, the temple feast, the temple ceremonies that were going on and all of that, and they missed that. And it was difficult for them at that time because they were also being persecuted. So, Mary, one of the things that the author of Hebrews, whether it was Paul or Barnabas or whoever it was, inspired by the Spirit of God, one of the things that, um, that and I'm getting maybe just a little bit of feedback from you, Mary. There you go. That's a lot better. Um, one of the things that was taking place was uh, that persecution. So they were very discouraged. And so a lot of them were thinking, it's a lot better just to isolate myself and, uh, you know, not be with the believers. And, and here is the author saying, listen, this is important that you forsake not the assembly of yourselves together, as is the matter of some. So that was taking place. And he says there's a reason for it. Uh, but you need to be exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. What day? The return of the Lord. And as we are in this time, this generation, this generation is closer to the return of the Lord than ever before, then it's important for us to be in fellowship. And that might mean being in a church or, you know, in a small group or a Bible study, but to be with other believers, because just as I said, 
one of the tactics of the enemy is to isolate you. And once he has you isolated, then it's a lot easier for him to try to get a foothold into your life. But there's strength in numbers, and there's encouragement, and there's a reason for us to be in church that not only are we exhorting one another, just as the author of Hebrews says, but it's an opportunity for us to exhort others as well and to use the gifts that the Lord has given to us. Does that make sense? Okay, Mary, that was a good question. I don't know if I lost you or not, but I I think it's important for us to understand that it's important to be in fellowship. And it's not a legalistic thing. Um, It it is a command given to us, but there's very practical uh, reasons and wisdom in doing that. And the other thing, Mary, too, if you're still listening, and sorry if you got cut off or we lost you, uh, but one of the things that has been a tremendous blessing for me and for my family personally is belonging to a family of believers that we have been a part of for so many years that we've developed relationships that are so valuable to us, uh, such a tremendous blessing, encouragement that when we're going through difficult times that we have others that are going to pray for us and be there for us and are going to lift us up. And so there's, there's so many benefits in being with the body of believers and especially, especially as we see the day approaching, um, in this, uh, world that we're in as we see the, the return of the Lord, I believe is, is nigh, it's near. And, um, we need to encourage one another in a culture and a society uh, that doesn't welcome us. And, um, Jesus said they will hate you. And we need to be in a place where we're away from the world, the philosophy of the world, and where we're loved by other believers. So hopefully that makes sense for you. All right. Are you still there, Pastor Jeff? Yeah, I am there. Good to have you back. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much. I I do agree with that, but I want to ask you, because I have friends that have a hard time with fellowship, and that's the thing, and and so it's been approached that, well, because maybe they're they're introverted, and they really just don't like gathering, but they love the Word. And so it's one of those that they're like, well, if my if I'm going to sit in church and just begrudgingly be there because I really don't want to be there because I'm supposed to, but yet, um, you know, they can especially you have all this great teaching now that you can get on the internet or wherever. Right. But um, you, they say because I'm, I'm I don't want to be in church because I don't like the fellowship. I love the Word of God, but I don't like the fellowship. So I just rather get good teaching at home. What? How do you kind of reconcile that? Well, just some of the words that um, that I just gave to you, that there is benefit and blessing by being in fellowship. And again, it's even if it's in a small group, even if it's um, in a home Bible study, that they have some brothers and sisters that they're assembling with, to be able to be with, to be able to pray with. Um, and I get it that there, there are some that don't like to be in church. You know, Mary, a lot of people don't know my testimony but when I first became a Christian, I didn't always want to be in church. It was hard for me to be in church because, you know, I lived in a little cabin up in Black Forest by myself. I was just fine not being around people. Um, I was pretty much of a loner. 
And I've come to realize, you know, when I went to church, I'd sit in the back, mind my own business. Nobody talked to me. That was just fine. But over time, I began to realize how valuable it was to have brothers and sisters around me to encourage me to be in fellowship, uh, how valuable that is. And I remember the first time that they asked me to serve because I was always there, Mary. I'd be sitting on the steps. When I got saved and when I heard the Word of God, I was so hungry for the Word of God, just like your friends are saying. They want good Bible teaching, and um, I'd be on the steps, and they open the door, and, oh, there you are. I'd be the first one there. And finally, one of them said, hey, since you're here all the time, why don't you do something? Why don't you serve in some way? Why don't you usher? And I remember saying very strongly, no, I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to say hello to people. And over time, the Lord began to convict me of that and saying, I want to use you. I want you to to be committed in serving me. And there's a lot of process there that the Lord was uh, working through me to get me to that point. But I understand some of those who say, I like being alone. I, I like being at home. There are some people that because they're going through different things, um, I've talked to those who are going through PTSD or something like um, that, that they just can't be around people right now. And, and the technology is very, very nice to have to where they can go on live stream. They can listen on live stream. They can um, be able to, um, you know, listen to Grace FM. What a blessing those things are. But to just to pray with them and encourage them. It's, it's not a condemning commandment here. It's really, hey, don't forsake the assembly of yourself, even with this meeting with another brother or sister. And that's why I'm, I'm saying this to not make it a legalistic thing, but very much of a blessing for people. And, um, but, you know, I, I think that people miss out when they, they make excuses of, you know, well, this is our day to sleep in, or that's when our family goes out to breakfast and things like that. Don't miss out on the blessings of being with other brothers and sisters uh, in the Lord. And that's going to be, you know, something that you can encourage others that you talk to. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I sure appreciate it. Thanks for your question, Mary. Good question. And again, just tenderly and, you know, very, um, you know, graceful. We can encourage people as much as we can to be in church because we know, Mary, right, that being in church doesn't save you. Right, uh, it doesn't make you. A, it doesn't make you a Christian at all. Jesus still loves you, but there's benefit and blessing um, for those who desire to be in fellowship. Uh, however, that works for them. However, that that might be with their own family, you know, family members. If they're if that's a possibility, uh, it can look. Uh, you know, it can look at uh, look like a different ways rather than sitting in a big church with a lot of people or. Um, Find a place. Find some believers to be around. All right? Okay. Thank you so much. Thanks for calling, Mary. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Now, we are entering into that time of the year where um, calls can be a little bit light uh, as we have Calvary Live because people are out and about. So I want to encourage you that if you have opportunity to call, you guys make the show. Would love to hear from you, to ask questions. Mary just asked a very, very good question um, for us to have discussions about the things of the Lord, the Word of God, uh, to be able to talk about Christian living, to receive prayer. I know there are some of you out there that are listening. You need prayer. Um, and be sure to call in. 
Uh, love to converse with you. You guys make the show. This is your show. Uh, I'm just here simply to be able to minister to you and to talk with you about the things of the Lord and would love to be able to do that. Let's go to line two, the Michael in Denver. Michael? Hey, Pastor, Pastor Nate, right? This is Pastor Jeff. Pastor Jeff, sorry. Pastor, Pastor Jeff, Nate, Pastor Jeff, to, same thing. <laughs> I, just wanted to, same. I just wanted to comment on that last caller. Right. Um, about uh, the, the idea of fellowshipping and, 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 and whatnot. Pastor, I, because of my past life, I avoided people like the plague. I lived a, a lone wolf existence. Did you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. Go ahead, Michael. I avoided people who liked the plague. I avoided being around people. Um, I had fears and concerns, and I just, I was a lone wolf. And I started going to my church in Inglewood, and I, I, I still sit in the back because I have leg issues. And it's more comfortable back there for me to sit. But people start approaching me and talking to me and stuff. Uh, and going, I used to go. To, I go downstairs to what we call a well and eat lunch and go, go through the uh, the, uh, um, the the food bank and stuff. I've made a lot of friends down there. But what really started drawing me out was when I started going to a core group for a new plant church. Because I've I've been talking to this pastor who's in charge of this new plant church. And he, went, he asked me to start coming to his house on Sunday nights and being around other people, family member, people with families and stuff, and eating with them and praying with them and stuff. And it started drawing me out. I mean, I, I was really a serious introvert. And um, now I'm coming more of an extrovert, and I'm feeling more comfortable around people and fellowshipping with other with people and stuff. And Right, just talk, walking up to people and talking to them and stuff, and I can understand where a person, yeah, might want might want to be introverted and not deal with other Absolutely. people. Yeah, but I just yeah. want to encourage whoever they have that issue going on in their life, step out in some faith, introduce yourself, and start talking to people one person at a time. Shake the pastor's right. hands and shake the pastor's hand and ask him if you could pray for him and or right. whatever or you see somebody needs prayer in the church, ask him. Hey, look, yeah. look, do you need some prayer for something right now? And you right. know the right. thing is, uh, God will bless that. Yeah, and he will. And, you know, appreciate your comments, Michael, because as I said, talking with Mary, that there are some people, they just can't be around a lot of people right now. They just, they're not able to do that. And so, um, you know, if if you're with one person, you have fellowship. Um, if you got a, a home <laughs> fellowship, those are good options for people uh, to be able to, to have somebody, to find somebody. And that's what I pray, that there are those who do that. You know, we got people um, that are shut-ins that can't come, uh, and that's where the technology is really good, and that is their fellowship right now. So, But, you know, I was an introvert, still am, I feel, in a way, and the Lord really had to just work and show me how much of a blessing it is to be able to make that effort to be in fellowship. So I appreciate your comments, Michael. Well, you know, you talk to one person, you shake their hand, you learn their name, and you start to learn a little bit about them. And, and all of a sudden, you meet somebody else, 
and then you meet somebody else. And it's a nice, slow, easy process of breaking in to fellowshipping with somebody. Then maybe you change where you sit in church and you sit with them because now you right. feel comfortable with somebody. And right. other people start picking up and on it, and guess what? Right. You're fellowshipping. And, and- it is a, a tremendous blessing. You know, my family is a blessing. Uh, I love my family. Um, mm-hmm. I love being with my family. But I also discovered that um, I have another family, and that is the family of brothers and sisters. And that's what I pray that people will find um, again and as the Lord leads them and as the Lord um, directs them. And um, some people like to be around a, a large church. Other people, um, that's not for them. It's too overwhelming. And um, they'd rather be in a smaller church with intimacy or a home group or just a small group of guys or ladies with a small group of ladies. That's all fellowship and very important. So thanks, Michael. Appreciate your call. All right. Have a good day, Pastor Jeff. You too, Michael. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. How this works, when people hang up, there's an open line. So give me a call, 303-690-3000. And let's go ahead and go to Robert in Denver. Robert, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. You ready for summer? Yeah. Yeah, I am too. It is. Yeah, and it's it's hard to believe that we just had snow, what, a week and a half ago? Right. (laughs) Well, so what can Colorado, what can I do uh, Colorado for Colorado for ten fifteen years? That's kind of the norm, I guess. In, in May. <laughs> it is, yeah. Snow on Mother's Day, so yeah. So what can we do for you? Well, um, so I'm looking in. Um, I was actually listening to First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, and I see you know there's a lot of overlap, and the books are kind of you can you know they're historical, you know, and you can sense that they dovetail together. They're very similar, but I was just wondering, I haven't read commentaries on them yet, but if you could just give me a quick uh, background on on maybe who wrote them and and where. I mean, my my guess was that they were probably uh, written in different places, used by maybe different communities. Maybe, I don't know, Sadducees, Pharisees, the scenes. Maybe I was wondering if it was something like that, but it kind of seems like there could be one book with that history. But instead, there's four, and I'm just wondering. Right, I'm looking for some more background, I guess. Yeah, kind of the background on that is First uh, and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles are part of the section of uh, the Old Testament called the historical books. The historical books, after the first five books of the Bible, then you go into the Book of Joshua, and then the Book of Judges, and then First and Second Samuel, then First and Second Kings. First and Second Chronicles. So there's kind of a chronological um, order that is there given in those historical books, and then Esther and um, Nehemiah uh, and Ezra in the historical section of the Old Testament. After First and Second Samuel, then Second uh, Samuel ends with um, actually the end of David's life, and then you go into First Kings. David, uh, his death is recorded there in First Kings. And what you have there is a historical account of the nation of Israel after King David. So in First Kings, you have Solomon comes on the scene, he builds the temple. And then you have Rehoboam that comes on the scene, Solomon's son. And as Rehoboam comes on the scene, 
um, then the nation splits, okay? This is where you got to kind of put your thinking cap on in First and Second Kings because when the nation split, there's the 10 northern tribes that made up the house of Israel. Then there is Judah and Benjamin that made up the house of Judah. That's where Jerusalem was. That's where the temple was. The house of Israel up north had 19 kings, and it goes from bad to worse. They were all bad kings. They were all idol worshipers, Jeroboam being the first one. He makes a temple in Bethel and one in clear up in the northern part of the country in Dan. And what he tells the people, the 10 northern tribes, is don't go to Jerusalem. Don't go there and worship. It's too far. Jeroboam was afraid that they would go there, and then um, they would want to kill him and unite with Judah once again. So what you have is the house of Israel plunge into idol worship. Now, um, Robert, in just a few seconds, you're going to hear the music, and we're going to go to a break, but I want you to hang on because I'm going to build on that. So in First and Second Kings, what you have is it talks about the kings of Israel, and then it has the kings of Judah. The kings of Judah would all be in the line of David is what you would have. So um, you have, you're going back and forth. Sometimes you're reading it, you're talking and reading about um, the kings of Israel, and then all of a sudden it's talking about the kings of Judah. But I want you to hang on. I'm going to talk about First Chronicles real quick. And uh, hopefully that'll help you out. We'll be right back after the break. Stay tuned here to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand. Want to welcome you back to Calvary Live in the second half of the show. It's so good to see you, and what a blessing to have you with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Give me a call at three zero three six nine zero three thousand. I'd love to talk with you, be able to talk about the things of the Lord. Maybe you got questions uh, concerning the uh, Bible. Your Bible reading has brought up these questions. Um, maybe you uh, have uh, prayer needs. I'm here in studio ready to take your prayers. Maybe questions about Christian living. I do want to get back to our lines because we, uh, before the break, uh, was talking with Robert from Denver about First and Second Chronicles and First and Second Kings. Robert, you still with me? Yes. So what you do when you go through First and Second Kings, you're going to be looking at the kings of Israel, uh, you know, that ruled. And again, it goes from bad to worse. You're going to read about King Ahab, but you're also going to read about the prophets that came on the scene, like Elijah, and then after Elijah, Elisha. And, uh, and you're going to read about their powerful ministries. Then you're also going to read about how the 10 northern tribes got taken off into captivity in 722 BC by the Assyrians. You also will read about the house of Judah. There were some good kings, but also some bad kings. Some of the bad kings was like Ahaz. Uh, you read about him also in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah comes to him in Isaiah chapter 7 and says, Ahaz, you know, you need to turn to the Lord. And that's where the prophecy of, of um, you know, there's behold a, 
a, a woman uh, is going to, um, a virgin that is, is going to give birth to the Messiah. Um, and, um, you know, prophecies about the Messiah given to him. But a- anyway, Ahaz was a terrible king. Manasseh was terrible. Plunged the house of Judah into idol worship as well. But you also have some good kings like Hezekiah, uh, Jehoshaphat, some of the others. In that book, Second Kings ends with the house of Judah going off into captivity by uh, the Babylonians. When you go to First and Second Chronicles, it's a little bit different. It's still a historical book, but First Chronicles deals a lot with David. It deals a lot with Second Samuel. So there's some cross references there. David's uh, reign. It talks about David's uh, administration, how he prepared for the temple. And then when you go into Second Chronicles, Second Chronicle only deals with the kings of Judah, does not deal with the kings of Israel. So you start out with Solomon, and it goes all the way through till they would go into captivity in 605 B.C. And so that's the difference that you have. Also, First and Second Chronicles, when you get there, it talks more of the spiritual side uh, emphasis of the kings of Judah uh, more than uh, First and Second Kings. So you'll notice that as well. So um, then after the captivity, you have Ezra, Nehemiah, and um, you have those books that are given in Esther as well that takes place. So hopefully that helps you out. But as far as who wrote First and Second Kings, um, they believe that probably the prophet Jeremiah did is what they're suggesting um, is probably the best guess. Because Jeremiah uh, was ministering there for 50 years. Um, you know, at the time that uh, Judah would go off into captivity, his ministry was to the southern uh, kingdom of of um, of, um, of Judah. When it comes to First and Second Chronicles, I believe that most scholars believe that Ezra was the author, and uh, that he would write it after the captivity in about 450 BC. So that's a little bit of background that I have on those those four books of of the Old Testament. All right. Okay. Yep. Thank you. One of the things, Robert. One of the things too, I just want to encourage you in is um, that. To understand First and Second Kings and then um, First and Second Chronicles, when you go through those historical books and those kings, what really brings the Old Testament alive is when then you go to the prophets. You go to Isaiah, who is ministering a little bit to the house of Israel, but mostly to the house of Judah. Jeremiah would minister to the time they went off into captivity. Uh, Ezekiel, he's ministering after they would go off into captivity to House of Judah. Daniel as well. And then you get into the minor prophets. And what makes it so powerful, Robert, is that when you start to cross-reference Hosea, Obadiah, uh, those minor prophets, when, when they were ministering during what reign, then you get a real sense of, of uh, why they were saying what they were saying, why they were warning the people, why they were saying uh, the things that they did. Because you can go back to First and Second Kings, 
And a lot of the minor prophets were ministering to the house of Israel, and you can really see what the spiritual condition was. So it really kind of puts starts to put everything together. And so have fun studying those books, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. And there's a lot of practical application to be made as you go through those books as well. But um, there's one piece of the question that's really interesting to me that we haven't touched on yet. So as you just said, you know, a lot of these different books are kind of talking about the the same period. Um and so it kind of appears that the books are written independently. So were there were there Old Testament books kind of floating around in different areas, or did they like all make their way to Jerusalem and became part of the scriptures and were referenced as the scriptures so that later on they were canonized as the Old Testament? Yeah, but, and I think Robert um what I, what I understand and what I've read on, and I'm, I'm by no means an expert on it, is actually that First and Second Kings were one book. Um, what we have in our Bible is First Kings and then Second Kings, and it's the same with First and Second Chronicles. That it was all just the Book of Chronicles, um, um, and like that Chronicles, many, uh, like yeah, it was all uh, a Hebrew yeah. Old Testament. They had twenty two books, so maybe that was kind of. Well, the, yeah, first, first and Second Chronicles was all one book and written by Ezra, I believe, at a later time, um, because Ezra came much later than Jeremiah. If the scholars are right, and Jeremiah wrote First and Second Kings, or what would be the Book of Kings, one book, then that would come much sooner than uh, Ezra. And Ezra, here's the thing, Robert, being a priest— He's from the priestly line. He gives more, of course, inspired by the Spirit of God, more of a spiritual implication to what he was writing. And you kind of know that as you compare them. There's a lot of similarities. When you read First uh, and Second Kings, the kings of Judah, again, Second Chronicles only deals with the kings of Judah, not the kings of Israel. So that's the big difference that you have there. Okay, very good. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You bet. Glad to to kind of help you with that. And one of the things that blesses me, Robert, is there's a lot of Christians that avoid the Old Testament. And um, I think you're going to be tremendously blessed as you read those historical books. The Old Testament is part of God's inspired word given to us um, that we can learn so much from. So I want to encourage all the listeners out there um, to to you know be encouraged by Robert who's desiring to study those books because you will be tremendously blessed. And we've gone through those books here at Calvary Chapel of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, you know, First and Second Samuel. What a tremendous blessing it was to be able to do that and to be able to, um, you know, uh, include that in our Bible study. Uh, it, it is a tremendous blessing. So don't avoid um, the study of God's Word in the Old Testament. Thanks. Appreciate it, Robert. Appreciate your call. God bless you as you study those books. Let's go Thank to you. line one. To, you bet. Let's go to line one to Bianca. How are you doing, Pastor Jeff? I'm good. How are you, Bianca? I'm doing good. I have been studying the book of Daniel, and I am really struggling with that book for some reason. I don't know if. I mean, I have a lot of questions, but obviously I'm not going to mention all of them because of the time, but but I was wondering if you could give me any insights 
says to Daniel chapter 9, starting, I know it, the verse a lot of people refer to is verse 27, I believe, but right. But Daniel's just a really hard book to study, and I'm just struggling to comprehend everything. Sure. And, you know, they say that Daniel, Bianca, uh, is the forerunner to the book of Revelation. I really believe to understand the book of Revelation, you need to have a good understanding of the book of Daniel. So what you have in the book of Daniel is the first six chapters, you have the personal side of Daniel, his story, taken off into captivity, um, you know, how he uh, was, you know, became Nebuchadnezzar's right-hand man. Um, You have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in chapter 3. You have Nebuchadnezzar's testimony in chapter 4. Then you have the handwriting on the wall in chapter 5. And then chapter 6, Daniel thrown in the lion's den. Those are all wonderful stories. But here's the thing, Bianca. Chapter 2 is the very foundation of Bible prophecy. Because Daniel there, he gives the interpretation of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. He tells Nebuchadnezzar the dream. He gives the interpretation of the dream. He says to Nebuchadnezzar that, listen, you had a dream of an image of a man made of four different metals. They represent four different kingdoms that would come on the scene from the time of Daniel up until the second coming of Jesus Christ. The head of gold is you, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian Empire. You're going to be replaced by the chest of, you know, and arms of silver, which was the Medo-Persian Empire. Then you're going to be replaced by the belly and thighs of brass, which is the Grecian Empire. And then the legs of iron, which was the Roman Empire. And then in the last days, that Daniel tells very important that in the last days, in the days of the coming of Jesus Christ, there's going to be the feet and toes made of clay mingled with iron. So kind of this revived Roman Empire. So that's the very foundation of Bible prophecy that is given to us. When you go to Daniel chapter 7, Daniel essentially has the same vision in a different way. In other words, instead of being four different, you know, metals of an image of a man, according to Nebuchadnezzar's point of view, this is how man looks at the kingdoms, you know, gold and silver and all of this, he sees Daniel in chapter 7, four different beasts, right? And those beasts represent the same four kingdoms that would come on the scene. And then the fourth beast, he doesn't say what it is. (laughs) And if you read that, Bianca, he just said it's terrible and dreadful. And he was especially... Very interested in that fourth beast. And then that fourth beast had ten horns and a little horn that talks about the Antichrist. When you get to Dan, yeah, when you get to Daniel chapter nine, Daniel chapter nine, here's Daniel, he's praying. He knows from the prophet Jeremiah that the 70 years of captivity are just about over with. So he, he is praying there about the 70 years of captivity being over with. All of a sudden, he gets visited by this angel, Gabriel. And Gabriel comes to him and says, Daniel, I came not to give you understanding about 70 years, but about 70 weeks. 
And he mm. gives a very amazing prophecy to Daniel that, listen, Bianca, in verses 24 through 27 that you've yeah. referenced, yeah. The, all of the end-time prophecy has to fit into that outline. If it doesn't fit into that outline, then people get all mixed up and messed up when it comes to end-time prophecy. So that that's why it's important, that Daniel chapter 9. And he says, Daniel, I've come to give forth to give you skill and understanding. And he says, this is concerning your people and your holy city. So who was Daniel's people? Um, it's the Jews, right? Right. It's the Jews. It, it, it wasn't anybody in Europe. It wasn't anybody in you know Canada. It wasn't Australians. <laughs> it's Jews. Concerning your people, Daniel, the Jews, and for your holy city— what holy city is Daniel's? Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. Yeah, it's not Rome. It's not Washington, <laughs> D.C. It's not Salt Lake City. It is Jerusalem. So this is a prophecy concerning your people, Daniel, the Jews, and for your holy city. And he says, no one understand that the going forth, as he talks about, 70 weeks are determined. So there's going to be 70 years are 70 periods of seven years. A week, when you read that term week there in Daniel chapter 9, it's like saying, Mm -hmm. uh, if we say a decade, you know how long that is, right? It's 10 years. If you say a century, you know it's 100 years. Well, in the Bible here, a week is seven years. So you got 70 periods of seven years. 490 years are determined for your people and your holy city. And know that the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks, and that is 69 weeks, that Messiah is going to come. So when you go to Nehemiah chapter 2, Bianca, you see that the command was given to rebuild and restore Jerusalem. That's after this prophecy is given. So in 445 B.C., what happened was, as you read Nehemiah chapter 2, Nehemiah the cupbearer, he's praying, and Artaxerxes says, you know, hey, um, what's wrong, Nehemiah? I can tell by your countenance that you're all bummed out and everything. And Nehemiah says, I want to go back and rebuild the walls around my city, Jerusalem. It lays in rubble. So mm-hmm. the command is given on the first day of Nisan. So you can trace that back. The British Royal Observatory has done that. The March 14, 445 B.C. From that time the command is given, you can count out 483 years, that's 69 weeks or 69 periods of seven years. Or if you take a calendar, the Jewish calendar was 360 days. You take 173,880 days from the time of Nehemiah chapter 2 until coming to Messiah the Prince the British Royal Observatory has done it, and they came to March, or that is April 6, 32 AD, the day that Jesus got on the, the back of a, a fold, and he rode down the Mount of Olives and into Jerusalem, and the people are crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. He fulfilled that prophecy, which I think is the most incredible prophecy really, of the Old Testament, the very day. And that's why, Bianca, that when the religious leaders are saying, 
that you be quiet. They knew that the people were crying out that messianic, you know, psalm, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Tell them to be quiet. This is blasphemy. And Jesus' answer was what? That if they be quiet, the very rocks will cry out. Because this is the day. Yeah, this is the very day that Daniel chapter 9 is going to be fulfilled. And also, Jesus would weep over Jerusalem and said that if you would have known of this your day, this is the day that he accepted public worship, and and they cried out, Hosanna. But then, of course, a few days later, they were crying out, crucify him. So the prophecy continues and says that... um, that the people, the prince who is to come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The Messiah is going to be cut off after the 62 weeks. So Messiah is crucified. Who destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD? It was the Romans who did. And so the people, the prince who is to come, that's a reference to the Antichrist that comes out of Rome, that ties in with Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. He comes out of this revived Roman Empire, and the end of it shall be a flood till the end of the war. Desolations are determined, and then he will confirm a covenant for many for one week. Who's he? That's the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. That is the one, the prince who is to come. And so 69 weeks have been fulfilled, 69 periods of seven years. But Daniel told there was 70 weeks. So there's still right. a seven-year period. And that's when the Antichrist, the tribulation period, begins by the Antichrist coming on the scene. He makes a covenant with Israel for that time. And then he's going to stop the sacrifices in the middle of the week. He'll bring an end to sacrifice Mm -hmm. and offering. And Mm -hmm. on the wings of abomination, she'll be one who makes desolate. Jesus comes along in Matthew chapter 24 and says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of, Daniel the prophet, then you need to flee. He's speaking to the Jews. You need to get out of there. Wow. So he had, he is touching on what Daniel has to say. There are those of the preterist view that believe that, you know, that that happened all in 70 AD, that the abominations of desolation. When you read through the book of Daniel, when you go into chapters 11 particularly, um, as you read, um, you know, the other prophecies, it gets a little bit more complicated that it talks about a man that came on the scene, Antiochus Epiphanes in 168 BC. He's a picture of one that will come on the scene, the Antichrist. Um, And so you kind of kind of sort through all that. And here's the thing. In 70 AD, the temple was destroyed but it wasn't desecrated. Not like Antiochus Epiphanes who went in and slaughtered a pig in the Holy of Holies in 168 BC and then split you know, the blood all around and they ended up cleansing the temple after they drove Antiochus out. And then, of course, um, that's where Judas Maccabee and his brothers led a revolt against them. And by the way, that's where they got the waving of the palm branches. Um, that was speaking of political you know, freedom for oppression. And so when, uh, you know, here is all that taking place, uh, we see that, um, you know, they're waving the palm branches uh, towards Jesus saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're looking for Jesus to overthrow the Roman tyranny is what they are, and it never happened. Mm-hmm. Wow. So this, there's still a seven-year period 
where God's dealing with who? With your people, Daniel, <laughs> and your holy city, Jerusalem. And that's why Israel and Jerusalem is called the epicenter of Bible prophecy. God's mm-hmm. not done with his people. They're the focal point. And, of course, there's been a theology that is really um, in popular in some evangelical circles of replacement theology that God is through <laughs> with Israel and the church is spiritual Israel, and <laughs> they don't understand Daniel chapter 9. So, Bianca, I kind of gave a long answer to yeah, a quick that question that you answered. Really long, and yeah. I'll probably end up emailing you because I want to leave room okay. for other callers if there is time. But can you just say a prayer for me, really quick, I would and love then to. we'll continue this discussion through email? Okay. It sounds good. Father, I pray for Bianca. She's studying Daniel. It's an exciting book. It's a wonderful book. Give her understanding that um, and some clarity, and it would excite her because I know she has a heart for Israel. As the book of Daniel talks about that there's a future for God's people and, um, and a difficult time that's going to come, um, as it even talks about Jacob's trouble in Daniel chapter 11. Uh, but Lord, I pray uh, that um, you would just bless her that you would encourage her, that you would just continue to speak to her, help her to understand the scriptures as she studies. And I just pray that uh, you would just do a marvelous work uh, in Bianca day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks so Thank- lot. We'll continue this through okay. email. Sounds good, Bianca. Bye. Looking forward to it. Bye-bye. Hey, let's go to line two to Zach from Colorado Springs. Zach? Hey, thanks for holding on. I know you've been waiting. <laughs> no problem. I was on a on a drive, so I was just listening along. <laughs> good, good. So what can we do for you? So I just called in for a prayer request. Um, I've had a great Memorial weekend, and I just got back to the Springs, and now I, it's time for me to make this tough decision. Um, I got a job offer up in Denver that seems to be um, from the Lord, and I just feel really led Praise by the God. Spirit to take a leap of faith and go for it. Um, the only thing yeah. is I'm very comfortable where I'm at right now. I'm living with my parents, and I got a, a pretty solid job here. Um, so that's the only issue is finding a place up in Denver. So I'm just praying that the Lord will right. open up those doors for me um, yeah. and make it happen. You know, I want His will to be done. Yeah, and certainly we're going to take time to pray. You know, in Revelation chapter 3, that uh, to the Church of Philadelphia— uh, they are reminded that he opens doors that no man shuts, and he shuts doors that no man opens. Mm. And um, it's wonderful that he opens those doors for you, but he'll also give you a peace that rules in your heart, Colossians chapter 3. And that word rule means to make the call. It's like mm. a baseball umpire, and it, it, it sounds like you got a peace about it, that a door yeah. is opened up. And as you step out in faith, you know, the Lord's going to provide a place to stay and for your job. And so I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for you. So, Father, I do want to pray for Zach. I just pray that uh, as he's uh, prompted to take this job, he's in a place where he is comfortable. You've blessed him with that. But, Lord, um, if you're moving him on, give him that peace that rules in his heart. And, Lord, that uh, you would provide for him as he steps out through that open door that you provided for him. That, Lord, that he step out in faith and that you would provide a place for him to live, a, a safe place, a good place that he enjoys, that this job would be a, 
just a great opportunity for him uh, to work every day, to enjoy, to be a light at that job. Uh, maybe there's people there that you have specifically for Zach to minister to. I know there is if he takes this job. So, Lord, I pray you bless him in every way. Lead him and guide him. Be that voice behind him, as Isaiah 30 says, that um, he promises to be a voice behind us that go to the left, go to the right, walk in this way. So be that for Zach as you lead him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, man. I uh, hope you have a blessed day. Really appreciate you it. You too, Thanks Zach. Hey, give me a call back sometime when when things happen and let me know how it's going. Okay, cool. Also, real quick, um, do you happen to sure. know anywhere I could look up there, like as far as churches, you know, for like some guys my age, I'm 23, looking for roommates or anything? Um, what area are you going to be in? It's going to be in Aurora area. Well, you might call Calvary Aurora, see if they got anything. I can't say for sure, but yeah. um, I know I know this, Zach. The Calvary Aurora is a wonderful church. If I was living in Aurora, that's where I'd be going. Pastor Ed uh, is there to serve you and the staff. Uh, they will love you. They will feed you. Uh, it's a fellowship of believers that they bless me, just being a small part of them. And um, and I love those guys at Calvary Aurora, and I love that church. And uh, they're going to bless you, and they're there to help you or direct you or guide you in any way that they're able to do that. So give them a call. And uh, Frank there you know, can give you a number or whatever uh, as you finish up with him. But they are a loving group of people. They are awesome, Calvary Aurora. And there's some other Calvaries that are there that you know in the Denver area that are awesome as well. And um, But they'll steer you in the right direction. And like I said, they're committed to serve you and to help you and encourage you in any way that they can. Okay. All right. Awesome. All right. Let me know how things go. Cool. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. I'll give you a call back later. Okay. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Hey, we're getting ready to go off there. I do want to let the people in the Greeley area know that next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, June 5th, 6th, and 7th, Vacation Bible School, Children's Festival, Island Grove Park, 930 to noon. It's free. Games, worship, uh, crafts. Uh, Bible lessons come and bring your kids check them in you can uh, also register your kids online calvarychapelgreeley.com or come to the church and register them or at the park love to see you there God bless you all have a good evening Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.